This is Wolves Weekly with Mikey Burrows. Featuring the biggest names from past and present. All the teams, all the talking points. Hello there, I'm Mikey Burrows. Welcome to another of our summer specials on Wolves Weekly. This episode focuses on the under-21s. Later, we'll hear from the academy player and scholar of the season, Owen Farmer. But the primary focus is with under-21s coach James Collins. We'll hear how they recovered from a bad start to the Premier League 2 Division 1 season, his reflections on his time with the first team, and how the summer and pre-season looks ahead. But we start with his thoughts on the recent successful trip to India. With end-of-season trips... You never quite know how they're going to go. It may sound strange, but sometimes players towards the end of the season don't want to go gallivanting around the world. They sort of they're tired after a long season. That we work really hard to stay in the division, and then we we suddenly got a tournament in India. But I have to say, the boys were incredibly professional throughout. We got off to a great start, and then um, that gave us a real lift to say, "Oh, go on, let's go on and try and win this." And the boys were terrific and we, we got through the group relatively easy after the first game, beat Everton in the first game. And then we played two Indian teams, which you know we were stronger than, I have to say. And then we had a tough, really tough game in the final against um, Stellenbosch, a South African team who had won it last time it, it was played. I think they were unbeaten in two, two versions of the competition. So that was a really tough final. thought we had our chances and could have won it in, that, in, in the sort of the 70 minutes that we were playing, 235s because of the heat. And then won it on pens, which is a nice way to win it. Um, that, it was a nice way to end the season and a nice way to end the trip, yeah. And it was quite a young group, right? Because I guess officially it was an under-19 side that you took out there. Yeah, what what it was, it was under-19s tournament with, I think you could take, I think it was three overage players. I think we took, Matt, I took two. Uh, Owen Esquif was over. And Joe Young, I think, was over, goalkeeper. Uh-huh. I mean, they're not over by much, are they? <laughs> no, no, no. But... <laughs> It's an, it was interesting because the, the Indian teams were older but less physical. South African team were an under-21 team, I think, because uh, you know, the Premier League scene is, a, if you like, a, an elite league. We were restricted to under-19s. They were a little bit older. Uh, Everton and West Ham were relatively young, but West Ham had just come off the back of winning the Youth Cup with their group. So you know, that, that was a really strong group at West Ham. So it was a tough tournament, yeah. We've been relatively young all season. I think when you get to sort of that stage of playing together, that that's when it helps when they've been playing together for a while and, and competing against really tough opponents every week. You get used to it. And, and yeah, it was a, it was it was just a lovely way to end the season because it sounds great and amazing going to these countries, but we were in a hotel. We couldn't leave the hotel because of the area we were in. It was, you know, too dangerous for the for the players to leave the hotel. So you you sort of stuck in a lovely hotel for ten days and it can get very long. Um, the days can get very long. And, and uh, if we'd have lost that first game against Everton, we'd have had eight days left knowing we weren't going to win the tournament, which I think that would have been tough. It was nice to get a flyer and then nice for the boys to get that rhythm and and, and end with a win. It's nice to win things. I've just been watching Man City on the, on the television this morning and I think people see that as, look at them gallivanting and, and having a great time. But that, that's years and years and years of, work from the age of seven, eight years of old age to get to that point. 
So I think you're entitled to it when you get to that stage. This trip and and winning that tournament kind of brought to an end. Quite an eventful year, let's Mm. be honest. First year back up in Premier League 2 Division 1 for a start. Didn't get off to a great start with that Chelsea game at home. And then obviously what happened in between it. I spoke to Steve last week. One of the comments he made that made me smile was he said he needed a break after the spell that the two of you had with the first team. And he said you were glad to get back to the under-21s. Was that fair? It was a funny experience. It it feels like the longest year ever for for me, I'll be honest. It it feels like much longer than a year. We had a a good pre-season with a lot of players with the first team. Everyone was excited for the first team season. We were excited. We we had a trip to America, which was amazing, and to go out there. We'd done a lot of work around a style of play going into the the start of the season. And I actually felt the Chelsea game, I've watched it back a few times, we actually played some really good football. But because of being at upper higher league, we got punished for mistakes we made. And it was a a real big learning experience for for all our players to suddenly realise that you don't get away with them mistakes in in the top division of, of youth football. But we responded quite quickly to that, got ourselves going and had a reasonable season. Then we get, then the first team stuff happened. It was a bizarre experience. I was We were playing Man City on the Sunday. I came off the pitch against Man City and happened to look at my phone before I got in the dressing room and I had a text off my, my partner saying, you're taking the first team tomorrow. And I, I looked at it and thought, what? And, and went in and did the team talk after Man City and then straight after that, obviously got told. It was a bit of a shock because it is exhausting the games. We just played Man City, I come off and you have that hour after the game where the energy comes out of you and, and I'm suddenly thinking I've got got to put a training session on for the players tomorrow after the manager's been sat, which is obviously not an easy time to do it. So I must admit at that point, it probably wasn't excitement I was feeling. It was... It was <laughs> What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? How am I going to prepare it? What, what's the what's the the mood of the session? How are they going to be feeling? What are they going to want to need to do? So that first week leading into the Chelsea first team game was a whirlwind. And if you'd have told me straight after the first team game, you can you can go back to the twenty ones now. I'd have said, yeah, great, thanks. <laughs> but then as time went on, I really started to enjoy it, and you know, we got the Forest win after that, which. It was a great relief to to at least feel like we'd contributed something to to the season, and then I suppose the la- even going into the last week against Arsenal, the last game, sort of weeks later, I sort of realised I was going to miss it when I came away from it. But then I, what I didn't want is to go away, have a week away, and and start thinking, oh, the, you know, that breakout. I wanted to go straight back to my group. I didn't particularly like leaving my group at the time. We were in a t- tough season, and I wanted them to think that. I wanted to get straight back to them, rightly or wrongly. They didn't need me. It's probably I needed them more than they needed me. But um, I was glad to get straight back to it, yeah. In terms of the experience, in a strange way, and I, I say this knowing that obviously you're around the first team a lot, you see the players, you talk to them, a lot of the lads go up and train with them on on a daily basis sometimes. But in a strange way, having had that experience, has that made any difference to and any benefit to the way that you speak to and, and train the under-21 group now, having seen and worked day in and day out with those first-team players? That's a real, real difficult question. What 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 it does do, it gives you the belief of what you were saying you know, originally, if you like. You know, I've worked with first-team players at, at 
my previous football club. I think people think you've been thrown into it, but I've been coaching for 20 years. This is what I've been doing at professional level for 20 years. I was ready. And it was, for the media, it's nice to make it a story that you've come from nowhere. But I've been coaching elite players for many years and was ready for it. But what it does do, it gives you, I suppose it gives you that internal belief that, these players are having you, you know, after you've put on some sessions, they're enjoying them, they're responding to you. That then gives you a real belief that what you've been doing all these years is the right things. As regards the players, going back to my players, I think it probably gives them a bit more faith in you, that they know you've seen it, they know you've been there, they know you've you've, you've worked with these players and I suppose it gives them a little bit more faith in what you're saying to them as opposed to me thinking what I'm saying is right. I think I've always believed what I'm saying is right, but I think they look at it and think, well, all right, he's... Yeah, he has been there. That little story you just told about Ruben Neves or Diego Costa or or Gian Martino, that's a genuine story as opposed to saying oh, what it's like, what I think it's like up there. So in that way, it helps. The biggest bonus, I guess, from, from yours and Steve's point of view was being able to give those opportunities to some of the lads that you did in that spell. And it, it shouldn't be forgotten that there's been an awful lot of players over the last couple of seasons who've made that step up and have got those opportunities. And being able to show a clear pathway to not just training, but playing for the first team. And that, the you know, we talk about this kind of Wolves family, don't we? The Wolves way. That that is completely integrated, shown no more by this season. I think that, that's years and years of improvement. I've only joined three years ago. I've said many a time in interviews, so 10 years ago when I came to Wolves with crew, younger teams, we used to come to Wolves and expect to beat Wolves comfortably. Now, over years and years and years, started with Kevin Felwell, etc. We improved it, Scott Sellers, etc. There's so many names I could mention that have gradually, gradually improved it and got us to a point where we now can compete and can produce players that are, that are ready for Premier League football. Now, that is still very, very difficult because... As I've always said, if you've got a central midfield player, that's got he's got to be better than Matinho. He's got to be better than Neves. Well, right? that's not easy, um, and it's certainly not easy for a manager to put somebody in who's played no games ahead of somebody who's played two hundred. It's just not. And, and Steve and myself found that that you, you're thinking, oh, George, we really like George. George is good enough. George is good enough. And then you you get the job, and you then think I've got to pick a team for Palace on Tuesday night. And Xiao's done it a million times and he, he knows what he's doing. He's played under that pressure, under the likes at, at Sellers Park, et cetera, et cetera. But what we both felt was we had a duty to do it. We had a duty. We knew we weren't going to be the first team managers for, forever. I, I felt if, we, you know, I remember us having a conversation, if we, if we went back to our jobs, our day jobs, if you like, having not given some players opportunities, how then can we start saying that the players are good enough, that the players are ready? And it happened really nicely for us that we got a few on on you know, Oji on at Chelsea who did well. It helped he did well when he came on. And then we got the subs late on against Forest. We got so we got a few little short appearances. And then the and then Hugo at Palace. We got a bit of luck or bad luck, whichever way you want to look at it. With Ryan got a bit of a a tooth, you know, tooth problem in the afternoon. And then it was a case of right, what we're we going to do. And we could have done many things of moving it around. And we went no. Hugo's ready and I have to say Scott was part of that you know Scott felt he was ready 
I was pushing Steve to do it, and Steve was brave enough to do it, and that and that's proven to be the right decision. Hugo's been excellent, has had a good first season, and hopefully can go on from it. Hugo, I think, is the the epitome, isn't he? Because he got injured in pre-season the year before under Bruno Large at Coventry. I think he did his hamstring. And I think it was um, it was Birmingham City away at St Andrews when I think he made his comeback for the under-21s. And Luke Cundall scored a wonderful goal in that game. And that felt like a bit of a turning point in that season. And the way he then finished that campaign kind of played himself into position, didn't he? Whereby he... he was showing that by the end of that season, he was he was above the level he was at. He needed to make either a step to first team or a step out on loan. And that's the trajectory you kind of need to see from anybody, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's what we say to the 21 players regularly. We, we have a meeting with them all. Well, we regularly we have meetings, but we have a meeting with them at the start of the season. And, and nearly all of them say to you, they want to play a few games for the 21s, then they want to get in the first team squad and they want to do this and they want to do that. And, and that's quite right, as they, as they should say. What I normally say back to them is you've got to be one of the best two or three players every week in the under-21s, 23s, whatever you want to call it, before you can even think about being a regular, you know, a first-team squad member. And they sometimes look at you a little bit, well, but I'm, I'm doing quite well. And says, but yeah, but to get that, make that big jump, you've got to be above this level. In my time here, I've probably only had three or four maximum who I've been watching every week thinking he's, a, he's better than this. He needs, we need to get Get, he's too good for this now. Hugo, towards the end of that season, was definitely in that category. He was a major, major part in us getting promoted, almost single-handedly scored goals, made goals from, from the wing-back position at the time. Through sheer drive, determination, hard work, and no fuss, no ego. Um, wasn't taking credit for it, wasn't taking plaudits for it, was just doing his job, getting on with it. So you know, when players like that are get through it's 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 amazing feeling and Luke Kundal the same when he when he made his progression through to first team football he was the best player every week in the 21s he was the best player every game we played I'd speak to the opponent's manager after the game and they'd say who's the midfield boy who's who's the boy in midfield good player isn't he and that's when you know that they're beyond you really and you're ready then to to move them on whether it's to a really good loan like Luke's done this year in the championship or whether it's um first team opportunities From a playing perspective, the season that's just finished was one of multiple breakthroughs, really. Whether it was Hugo Bueno, Joe Hodge and Dexter Lembekisa making the step up to being first-team footballers, following in the footsteps of the likes of Luke Cundall and Chem Campbell from the season before, to those who made the step up from under-18s to their first campaign in the under-21s. One player who took a little bit longer to make that jump than some was Owen Farmer, but he ended the campaign an important part of what James Collins' side was trying to do and ultimately some of his goals, his assists and his all-round performances helped secure Premier League 2 Division 1 status for another campaign. He was eventually rewarded with the, both the Academy Player and the Scholar of the Season Awards and I had the chance to give him my congratulations. Obviously you know you've done well and you feel like you've done well but I think it was more the fact that I knew there was many other people as well that had done really well and many other good performers throughout the whole of the season, really. So that was, that was what shocked me more, was the fact that other people didn't get it. But, yeah, I was still still delighted to get it. Because talk to me kind of from the start of the season, 
you you had a few tastes of under twenty ones, but I guess you would have still been classed as as under eighteens. Yeah, yeah. Um, I played. I think it was the full first half of the season with the under eighteens. Um, I don't think it was till late December that I actually made the step up to twenty ones full time. So it was. Um, that was another reason why I wasn't really expecting it because I thought, well, I played eighteens for the first half of it. But yeah, I was delighted. And from your age group, obviously, you know, by the time you come up to the end of 21s, there's a hell of a lot of boys that you've played with for quite a while. And you were all successful with the FA Youth Cup last season as well. How did you handle kind of seeing them go up originally and maybe it taking a bit longer for you to get that same breakthrough? Um, definitely tough because obviously you feel like you're being left behind a bit. Um and you feel like others are progressing and you're probably not. But I think I've spoke to the staff at the end of the season and I think I agree that what, what they did and kept me with the 18s was actually probably better for me because physically I might not have been ready to make the step up yet. Um, and then I, I was playing well with the 18s, so it allowed me to get, get some confidence and get some good performances before I then did step up. So I think I think it was good for me, to be fair, but... Obviously, when you see others go in and you're not, you do question yourself, um, but you just got to keep going. Is that good motivation in a way? Yeah, definitely, because you're looking at what they're doing and you're thinking, oh, I want to make sure that's me soon. Um, so you've always got it in the back of your mind, but then you've also got to make sure you're not focusing on it too much because then you forget about yourself and doing, doing what you need to do yourself. Look, doing the job that I do, obviously I hear about, talents kind of before they arrive because the majority of the games we cover are under 21s we do the occasional fa youth cup game so we got to see a lot of you lads perform in that but generally it was probably what two three years ago that kind of people started to talk about you when you first got into the under 18s as a 16 year old scoring goals and i guess that element from your perspective of of what it's like to maybe hear people talk about you and then what you have to still work on between 16 and 18 and still developing in that respect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's always, there's always people that will talk, you know, regardless of whether you're playing well or not. But I think there was a period of time um, when I was a scholar, when I was doing really well and there was a lot, a lot of talk. And then all of a sudden there wasn't a lot of talk. So it was quite you know difficult to deal with there being a lot of hype and then it going straight away. But you have to keep just doing the same thing day in, day out and training, working hard, um, regardless of whether there's talk about you or not. Because, you know, hopefully if you make it into the first team, they'll they'll be talk about you eventually then. So you just have to keep going regardless. Because what's it like in the dressing room? Because uh, uh, maybe you can explain for us how it works. Because I've tried to do this a couple of times, whereby in the Compton building, you kind of work your way up room to room don't you until you eventually get to go down the corridor to the first team yeah yeah so there's obviously there's there's the two buildings there's the it's the 18s and down building and then there's the 23s and first team building so obviously um we're ruling the 18s building for the well i was as well for the first half of the season and then when we all were told we were going to be going to the 21s full time we all got told we were going to go over to the other building, and it's quite it's quite mad, really, because obviously when you you're in that other building, you see the first team players walking around, and you say hello to them, just looks like it's nothing really, and it's quite surreal. But obviously, you have to get on with it. 
Is it? It's it's not even just that, is it? There's like a young professionals, like so. There's like almost a room for those who've signed contracts, and then a room for you guys as scholars. And you, you just need to. You might see somebody who's next to you for a couple of weeks, and then they've stepped up a room, and now your challenge is to follow them. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, it adds to the motivation as well. Obviously, when you see them um, in your change room, and then. A few months later, they're in the other change room, and you're not. You, you gotta, you gotta make sure you get yourself over there. But then, when you do get over there, it's, you know, it's um a really good feeling to have. What's it like when you kind of get the shout that you're needed for first team training? It's, it's an amazing feeling. To be fair, it's sometimes it's a bit of a shock because you don't normally. Sometimes you don't find out until not long before training. Like, um, but when when you get the shout and to feel like you know, needed by them. It's, it's, it's a really amazing feeling. It's a, do they get you to do specific things? Are, are you kind of pretending to be an opposition? Yeah. Some, sometimes when, you know, they might be preparing for a game. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll imitate the opposition to, to help them, um, to give them the best chance of winning their game. Like, um, which is good to be fair. Cause obviously you're still getting such great exposure to, to see the first team players, training like live in, in the flesh like so it's, it's really good talk to me about what that is like though in terms of the standard and the level because i've heard from other people in the past whereby you know look you train every day you you're clearly very good footballers and then you go there where the competition the skills the technicality everything just becomes something of another level yeah obviously when we train as 21s you know you know there's you're in a high level but then when you go down there and it makes you realise how tough that top level really is. And it makes you, made me realise how far away I actually am from it. Like, But again, it's something you have to be motivated. It gives you motivation to think, well, I need to get myself to that level. Because if I don't, then you know you won't, you won't get that chance. But it is crazy when you, you step down there and some of the things they do, you just you have to think, wow, will I? I mean, you're clearly not that far away, my friend, because you've been doing it more and more um, and your performances towards the end of the season. I was going to ask you kind of where, who or how you, you model your game because the one thing that I think you really started to add in the last couple of months was a real kind of tenacity and work rate and then the goals came from that. So I don't know where that's come from. I've always had that that in me, you know, that, I've always enjoyed the off the ball work. You know, I, I love the idea of when defenders going back to their own goal and chasing them down and winning a throw in and, and things like that. I've always loved loved that because um, not many people enjoy it. But I think, you know, I spoke to James about you know what I need to do to stay in the team, and he he said like the out possession work is just as valuable as the in possession. So obviously, I knuckled down on that and tried to get as good as that as I could. Um, and then I think that helped me get more chances on goal and I was able to put them away. Yeah, it helps the team, I guess, yeah. win the ball back higher up and create those things. Because it felt like after the, the defeat away at Everton, when we were 3-0 down quite early on in the game, that it was going to be difficult. What was the mood like within the dressing room to to basically inspire you all to turn that round? It was a difficult night, to be fair. I know... There wasn't a great feeling after the game. Obviously, we knew going there that 
that game, if we was to win, it would put us in a really, really good opportunity to stay up, um, especially with Everton being not too far ahead of us. And obviously we had to play them twice. Um, so just to come away from that with nothing and obviously the performance not being great, we, we were really disappointed. Um, but again, it was we had to pick ourselves up, just like we've had to do many times. And I think that's what, what helped keep us up. You know, we was able to go from that defeat and that performance and pick ourselves up and go again the next week and play like the defeat hadn't happened. So that that, that helped us, really. Is there one of those games towards the end of the season that you look back on and kind of go, that was the moment that that we really kind of clicked? That was the moment we knew we were going to stay up? For me, I'd say the second Everton game at Agborough, that for me was when I thought, yeah, we've got a chance here. Like, I don't know about any of the other lads, but, you know, that I think I feel like that game we, we felt like if we can get a bit of momentum, get a few more points, then we'll we'll stay up like. But as to be fair, we weren't sure until the last day, so I can't really say that one. But That was your hat trick as well. I think I'm right in saying you won the penalty for Owen Heskey yeah. laying yeah. the game. One of, is that probably one of your best games that you've had in your Wolves career? I, I think so, yeah. I think um, I remember thinking after the game, to be fair, that like, I wasn't on the ball first half. I don't think I was great, like, but the three chances I had, I put them away. And obviously, when you put three chances away, no one really thinks about how well you've played. But... Yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, it was one of my best, to be fair. Just take us back. How long have you been at the club? How long has this journey been? About four and a half years now. I was 14 when I joined and I'm 18 now, so about four and a half years. And were you at a club before that? Um, I was at West Brom when I was younger and I got released from there. Um, And then obviously I joined my local team, Highgate, um, before coming to Wolves, so... What was that like to have to have been released and kind of gone through that? At the time, I thought it, I thought it was the end of the world. Like as a young lad being released, you think it is the end of the world. But I soon realised, you know, after playing with my friends again and enjoying football, and I think it was a bit of a blessing in disguise, really. Because as soon as I joined Wolves, I I knew the club I was at now was a much better club. So, like I've said it to my family a million times. It's, we all feel it was a blessing in disguise to be released from there. Um, and obviously to get the opportunity to play for Wolves, have the opportunities I'm having now as well, I'm really grateful for it. What's the the target and the ambition for next year? Because I guess things are different now that you are the reigning academy and scholar of the year. That's a kind of a lot to live up to. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I don't, I don't mind that, to be fair. Obviously, I went to Marbella with the first team in December, so hopefully get the opportunity to do some sort of pre-season with them. And then we'll see what happens after that pre-season, um, whether I do it with the 21s or the first team. Hopefully, we'll see and can have a good start to the season. Do you want to get more active? Wolves Foundation, the club's official charity, runs an active through football project, which helps people of all ages to improve their physical fitness. Sessions are fun, friendly and have real positive results. To find out the range of activities on offer, contact Liam Turner at wolves.co.uk. James, let's go back to the season, uh, the under-21s campaign. A tough 
adaptation to being back in the top flight for and for some of those boys kind of stepping up and playing in those matches and getting punished. I remember watching and commentating on a game, I think at home to Blackburn, where you absolutely battered them for 89 minutes and then conceded a late penalty and ended up losing the game. Uh, at what point do you think there was a was there a turning point? Was there a moment when it kind of clicked and and the the run that ultimately saved you began? We I suppose what we did have we had little runs at different stages of the season. After the Chelsea game early on, we had a good little run, which gave us a confidence that we could we could compete at this level. And then sort of after Christmas we had the little run around the Blackburn game. Fully enough, the Blackburn game gave us confidence because it was probably our best performance. We 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 should have won that game and we were well on top. We got done with a, a dubious penalty. It was sort of their only attack. We then beat Arsenal, I think, soon after that, which, which you know, when you beat teams like that, you know, that game, don't get me wrong, we had Pedro back, which... which them little moments help you because yeah, Pedro Neto hit scoring so early massively yeah. helps. And De- I remember Dexter scored a fantastic goal in that game as well. Um, so, and then as the end of the season came about, um, we felt confident we could do it and we were getting good results. But what I kept saying to the boys was because I'd seen it the year before, I think Chelsea were right down at the bottom of the league throughout the season, the season before. And then all of a sudden, with five games to go, some of the names coming on their team sheet to make sure they stay up was frightening. And I thought Tottenham may do something similar. I knew West Ham had good players because they were going so well in the Youth Cup. So I knew it wouldn't be as simple as Tottenham would keep losing. I think Mora played some games towards the end of the season because they want to stay in the division. They want to, you know, It's about development and that's why Tottenham had such a young team early on in the season. But when it comes to it in the end, everybody wants to stay up. So I knew it would go down to the wire, even though we were winning some games at the end. Right at the very end, I didn't think it would go as far as it did. I, I thought somebody, one result would go in our favour and, and we'd be all right. Uh, in the end, it came down to the very end, which was a bit nerve-wracking. You talk about uh, getting that kind of boost from first-team players. Obviously, you had Bubakar Traore play a couple of times. Uh, Joe Hodge kind of came back uh, and got involved in a similar way to the way Luke Cundall had done the season before. But actually, one of the players that really stood out and ended up picking up two awards from it was Owen Farmer, who had gone on a completely different journey of kind of stepping up from the 18s midway through the season. And in a way, is that quite nice that that you weren't you weren't relying on a first team player to come and help you out? It was actually the boys who'd been there and grafted through that that suddenly got the headlines. That's not a coincidence. That that's something that we discuss a lot at the football club. I've been lucky enough that both first team managers in the last 12 months have been good enough to allow the first team players to drop down and play when they need a game. And I can't thank them enough for that. Not not because we need them to win football matches, because sometimes it's not, they don't, they're not too keen on dropping down um, quite rightly because they want to play first team football. But because it gives an opportunity for Owen Farmer, Nathan Fraser, etc., to see how top players train, play. Can, they can combine with them and, and link with them. They're playing with better players. The, the sort of perfect balance for under-21 football is some very young players playing because you've got to challenge you know, the under-18s and you've got to challenge them early. But also, if you have a team full, totally full of under-18s, then you can get well whacked and beat and that's no good for anybody's confidence. So having one or two outstanding senior players dipping in and out. You don't want them every week. And that, that's you know, no disrespect to them. I'm sure they'd agree with that. 
but they also do help the younger players progress and improve. And that's what happened, what's happened this year. So Owen Farmer, Nathan, etc. at the end of the season doing so well isn't a coincidence. That's because they played some games with Booba, with Hodgie, with players of that standing and that, that ability that's allowed them to get through the season at different points, help them through the season. So then they can fly, if you like it, towards the end of the season. And that balance is really difficult under 21 because sometimes that's not decided by... You might have a really tough game against Man City at the weekend, but the first team are playing on Tuesday night, so you can't have any. That's just how it is. And you've got to go in with a load of younger players. Sometimes you think you've got a lot of younger players and the first team haven't got a midweek game and you get three or four on the, the day before the game. Sometimes there's a bit of juggling and luck with it. But over the season, I think the balance of both has really helped the young ones flourish. You mentioned Nathan. I did want to make this point. that Anybody who's watched our coverage of the under-21s matches, a lot of the time there's either not a big crowd or our microphones and camera are very close to you. And apart from me having to apologise for your uh, swearing and comments towards referees sometimes, it's, what, what really comes across is hearing how you kind of direct Nathan during a game. And I find it fascinating because you can have all the ability in the world and all the physical attributes in the world, but the part of learning that you can clearly see coming across is that kind of game management, where you get your moments to breathe, where you have to then dig deep and work. And I, genuinely, I find that fascinating. First thing, I've been coaching 20 years and I've never been sent off from the dugout. So <laughs> I, um, I, I'm i really careful how I speak. I'll speak strongly. Yeah, no, the swearing is not to the referees. The swearing uh, is to other bits, but we'll move I on. Also, I do apologise. I sometimes say to Sean next to me, I say, I didn't realise after sort of an hour of the game, I look up and see how close the camera is and think, <laughs> I didn't quite realise it was that close this week. Apologies for that. But it, Nathan's a learner, wants to develop, wants to learn as a thirst for knowledge and a thirst for improvement. And there's a real, real skill in juggling that because, and Owen very similar, they ask question after question after question. They want to know, how do I get better in almost each and every situation? Now, what I say to them is there's a time where I can guide you through that and I can help you and I can direct you, if you like. But there's also a time for you to make decisions on the pitch. There's a time for you to take responsibility for a situation as opposed to looking at the coach and saying, how do I do this or what should I have done there? Over the season, they're really learning when to need me and when not to need me. Um, because sometimes when you get to first team level, you, if there's 40,000, 30,000, 20,000, 10,000 in the stadium, you know, when Molyneux's rocking, you can't hear the manager you've got to make responsibilities and decisions for yourself on that football pitch. So it's a real juggling act to help these young players, but also give them ownership and responsibility to to make, to be brave enough to make their own decisions on the pitch. And, that, and that's the process with Nathan we're going through at the moment. He just wants to get better. So he, he constantly wants to learn, wants to improve and wants guidance because he feels guidance gets him better and makes him better. It's great to work with players like that and, and, the interesting thing for me will be hopefully this season he'll need me less if he's with you know if he's with us he may be on loan he may be with the first team but if he's with us hopefully he'll need me less and I will try and give him less this season if if he starts the season with us because I want to see him organising others and helping others because he's now one of the it sounds bizarre his age to say but he's one of the experienced ones in the group through games especially so that'll be interesting to see if he can take that that on. Obviously, this is a difficult time of year when you have to say goodbye to some players 
uh, some players who've been at the football club for an awful long time. And uh, I'm guessing you're in a stage now where you're kind of just waiting to see what goes on with some of the players who are still here, who who might be moving out on loan. So when what does your summer look like now? And when do you anticipate to know the group you have moving forwards for this coming season? It's very different than a first-team environment. From minute one of pre-season, you're preparing your players for the first game of the season to get them ready for the season. That isn't particularly the same under-21 level. We'd be hoping, I don't know yet, but we'd be hoping that some of ours will train with the first team early on on their trips. But our hope is that happens because they get exposure to first-team football. That that then means that we're not preparing them for our season, that they're, they're training every day in Portugal or every day in Korea. Our pre-season is developing individuals. It isn't particularly developing a team. We probably start to develop the team a little bit, almost from day one of the season, which is a little bit late, but everybody's in the same boat. That's not no different for any other under-21 group. And when I speak to other coaches, they, you know, they all say the same thing. We're not, we're not at a disadvantage with that. But I, th- I always find it interesting when supporters may say things that they don't look like they've, you know, a throwaway comment like they haven't been coached all week. Well, sometimes they haven't. Sometimes they've been with the first team or they've trained somewhere else and I've had them so many hours before the game. That other weeks is different. That's the life of an under-21 coach. That's the life of an under-21 team. You're preparing players for the next step of their journey, not that current step that they're in. That's just part of the journey. And as long as you see that as the coach, then it's fine. Us having a brilliant under-21 season doesn't make players. It doesn't make assets for the football club. What makes assets for the football club is each player being on an individual journey to develop them and make them ready for whatever the next step is for them as quickly as possible. There are some players who've kind of got headlines from the under-18s and even younger um, with their international work that they've done at the end of the season. Do you look at the the players coming through and kind of go, yeah, I'll have that one, that one, that one? Uh, uh, or is it, is it a wider element as to who steps up and comes and joins your group? There's a much wider element. There's a lot of work going on at the academy, which is why we're you know, from recruitment through to player care. Through, you know, I can't name everybody because there's that many. You know, it's big business now, trying to produce players, trying to get players into Premier League football. We've got some exciting young talent at the football club. Uh, you know, I've got a close eye on, on them and, and really enjoy seeing them play and seeing them develop. There was one or two. We have regular conversations about who's closest, who's getting closer, who's going to be ready at what time. But again, as I say, everyone's journey is different. Luke Kundal played pretty much a full two years as a scholar because of his physical status. Now he was itching to go higher, and, and, and we had to slow him down a little bit to then get him in at the right time. His journey was different than somebody else's, who you know, Morgan's, who, who whooshed through. Um, like a whirlwind. So everybody's different. There's constant conversations about the pace in which these players come through because in the end, it's where they they finish, not where they are at that certain point. I remember at my previous club, we had a boy playing down as an under-18 in the under-16s and his parents were going bananas about it. And we were saying, no, this is what's right for him now. And he's one who's got the furthest now playing regularly in the Championship. it's not about where you are at 14, 15, 16, 17. It's about where you are when, you, when you're 21, 22. Thanks for listening to the all-new Wolves Weekly from Wolves Radio. 
don't forget to give us a follow at Wolves across social media. And all the very latest is at wolves.co.uk or on the move via the Wolves app.